I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. I'm going to ask you at the beginning of the podcast if you wouldn't mind rating the podcast, leaving comments, helps to get activity and new interest and new listeners. So uh, if you don't mind, go ahead and hit that rate button. Five stars are preferred, and you're welcome to leave comments. Now we will do our discussion for today with my good friend who is smiling ear to ear, Mr. Sean Latimer. Good morning. Why are you smiling ear to ear? I'm just laughing because we were talking about basketball. Every podcast we start with basketball, and then all my clients ask me, like, do you play basketball? Like, you look too short to play basketball. <laughs> it's okay. My kids, they're like, so you play basketball like they do on TV in like a big gym? And I'm like, yes. And like, and there's teams? Yes. Do you guys keep score? We do. And then they're like, are you on TV? I'm like, no, no, not that kind of basketball. <laughs> Definitely not that type of basketball. Like you said to somebody today, they were comparing something. You're like, hey, hey, let me remind you, we're not in the NBA. Right, right. They're like, I saw this play where Steph Curry did this. I'm like, wait, wait, time out. <laughs> Can't make that comparison. Yeah, my oldest the other day, I rarely get to play on Saturdays, and I was leaving the house. He says, wait, Daddy, wait, Daddy. And I'm like, what? And he puts up his hand, high five. He's like, win today, Daddy. Nice. <laughs> and I was that's, like, yeah. that's awesome. So, Well, there you go. We're going to start talking about finance. Uh, this is a topic I've been quite interested in lately. Um, what Sean and I have talked about off podcast is that in the industry of financial planning, there's a very strong obsession to talk about two topics. One this idea of not outliving your nest egg. So they want to give you all these rules and regulations of what you need to do and what you need to know to make sure you don't outlive your nest egg. The other side of financial planning, there is a huge push on estate planning and this idea of how you will bequeath your wealth to the next generation. So what Sean and I have been talking about, what about the fact that most of our clients are going to have a sizable inheritance to leave to the next generation? Can they create some bigger goals during their lifetime and enjoy the fruits of their labor in some sort of capacity that is never talked about in the world of financial planning. Yes. And I, I like one word you use later in the article where you talk about dream storming. And uh, I think it's a good idea. It, it, I don't want to take the wind out of your sails, but you talk about how clients save their whole life and work so hard. And then the, they have very simple goals like don't run out of money or help their kids pay for college. And then you're like, how old are your kids? Oh, they're in their 30s. Okay, well, Yuri did one of the two. So now the, the goal is just not run out of money. And uh, I think it's a good idea to kind of dig deep and ask what they're passionate about, whether it's uh, philanthropic or they want to go on vacations with their family or have a second home. And once you dig down deep and you can kind of show them that those things are possible, uh, I, I think that's a, a powerful you know, connection. Yeah, and if you've had... a a meeting with me lately, you'll just have to forgive me because this has been like one of my obsessions lately. Just because I guess if you've done thousands of financial plans and conversations, and you get to this point where there's sizable wealth left at the end of the plan, and I started just scratching my head and saying, man, do these people know that they could add more goals to their financial plan? And the vision I got, and I was trying to think of of something that would be, you know, memorable for for our listeners or readers but the only thing that was coming to mind was those uh you know old paper towel commercials right where you know bounty was bragging about how they're better than someone else or something so there's these two you know what i'm talking about there's these two paper they, like, towels put water on them and yeah. see some breaks yeah, yeah they're yeah. two paper towels they're damp and they kind of just like maybe they're adding marbles or something and just showing kind of how strong this is and i wanted people to look at their financial plan like that like take your financial plan make it damp 
and then throw on these marbles that are financial goals and break the financial plan. Like continue to put dreams out there until that financial plan breaks. And I've had a a couple conversations where clients are like, well, could I do this? And I said, yes. And I'll show you in the financial plan. Okay. Could I do that? Yes. And I showed them in the financial plan. And, And I'm telling them, you are not putting enough pressure on your financial plan. Now, Again, you don't have to adopt my passions. If if you want to continue to be thrifty and and let your wealth continue to compound and accumulate and leave your two kids, you know, the sizable nest egg, you absolutely can. But I don't want you to do that thinking that was the only path you could take. Yeah, I'm I'm over here smirking cuz I'm I'm thinking of a scenario cuz most of the time when when you're the what you're describing now is if the person's balance sheet is that robust, they're, they're, they're not going to run out of money, right? So then it's more just, uh, it's kind of like a, a large puzzle, making sure that everything goes where it's supposed to go and, and everything's taken care of uh, when their time ends. But they're probably not going to run out of money, right? So that that's stated. There is like an in-between balance sheet though, like where the client has a, good, a sizable balance sheet and has done a good job saving, but it's not bulletproof, right? So you talk about breaking the financial plan. I really thought about this before we recorded. I have had a time though. So you, you, t- you also talk about in the article how um, those habits are hard to break. So if you're a really good saver and you're a prudent spender, you're probably not going to wake up one day and spend a, go buy a Lamborghini and then blow all your money on a yacht, right? You're probably not going to do that. But uh, I did have an instance where we did the let's break a plan and we added like a, a larger travel budget. And this is after we did a financial plan to show like, hey, mm-hmm. it has a 99% success rate you're going to be just fine, right? So let's think of other things that you can do. And uh, the, the client said, okay, I want to go on extra trips. We plug that in, it worked. Uh, I want to be able to help both my kids now. We plug that in and it worked. And uh, and everything was fine. Then an interesting thing happened where they had a, a health scare. So they said, okay, I like all these ideas. I want to start doing these. And so the spending increased big time, right? And we're like, okay, you know, the plan was still successful, we didn't break it, but it, it definitely stretched it, right? Then they had a health scare. So they ramped up the spending even more. And and they figured, hey, I'm going to live for now. And the scary part, though, was it was exceeding the, even those earlier boundaries. And I even said, like, hey, whoa, 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 time out, time out. Remember, we said that these are possible at this level, and that was a stretch. You're kind of exceeding that now. Go, I know, I know, I know. But I don't I know how many years I've left, so I really just want to, like, enjoy life. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to argue with that. It's your money. I work for you. I'm just here to give you the disclaimer, right? Well, then turns out the health scare wasn't a scare anymore. It was just a scare and they're fine. And now the spending's continued and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I feel like, I feel like the guy like waving the red flag is like, stop, stop, stop. And uh, it's an interesting scenario because the client said, yeah, I'm well aware that I might run out of money, but I have a different perspective on life now. And I, I was like, I, I was kind of shocked. So that's a more recent thing that I'm going, still going through. So there, there's no ending yet, but uh, I thought it would be appropriate to bring up. Yeah, it brings up a good point because it reminds me of some of these conversations I've had recently where somebody says something, I'm just making up, but could I gift my children X every year? And I'm trying to encourage them like, hey, time out. Why don't, for now, let's plan to say, can you do that in 2023? Like, yes, we can run an illustration where you do that for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. But like you're saying, life could throw you curveballs. Mm-hmm. So I think with with some aspect of this, um, you have to look up, not look up, you have to look at 
what control you're giving up. So let's make up an example. So if we were doing some dream storming with somebody and they decided, obviously I'm making this up. Everybody has their own riddle, own tailored financial plan, own unique goals, aspirations, personalities, preferences. Fair enough, right? We're going to make this up. So let's say we decided, hey, having a family lake house would be really cool. Like something we could put in trust, pass down multiple generations, and it's a, a place that, you know, twice a year, everybody comes and meets, right? The nice thing about that specific goal is that you are acquiring an asset, right? So with an asset, even though it's not extremely liquid asset, there is a, an ejection button, meaning like you could unfold that plan, right? What you're talking about, uh, not exactly, but if you're talking about something on the consumption side, right, where you're just going to spend more and consume more, you have to be careful, like you're, you're, you're identifying to not project that in perpetuity, that that's exactly how you're going to live. So I would say, as you're dreaming about these things, you do have to think, is this thing an asset and something I can change my mind on? Or is this thing just con- increasing my consumption? Now, I use the example of a lake house, but I could have easily looked at something like college planning, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it might not be ideal to do this, but could you fund 529 plans, change your money, change your mind, and take that money back? You can. So with each financial decision, you just have to think, is this retractable? And whatever I'm committing to, do I have to commit to it in perpetuity? Like on the lower end of financial planning, we would tell somebody the same thing about committing to monthly expenses, Right. I, again, I'm talking about the lower end, but if somebody signs up for all these streaming services and then they buy a new bed that they're going to finance over 24 months and they buy a new car they're going to finance over 60 months, they have to start looking at the, the, the total expense of cash flow that they're committing to. So I think it is important to differentiate between am I acquiring another asset on my balance sheet or am I increasing my spending on my income statement? Yeah, that's. I, I just thought of this as you were saying it, but I wonder if higher interest rates has... Uh... Do you still get offered 0% financing when you buy things like a bed or things like that? I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm guessing not like it was before, right? And I think when it is 0%, it's a lot easier to do the layaway. Like, oh, it's free borrowing money. I can afford that payment added to the list where I, I wonder if that happened a lot more. So maybe interest rates uh, indirectly is better because then people are forced to actually save and pay for uh, cash instead of financing it. But just thinking out loud. Here's my question for you. Um do you think it's appropriate or do you think an advisor should when they create a financial plan? For my fictitious person in this story, right, you can go read the article, but we talked about somebody with $5 million that was spending 4% per year, right? That's like that standard 4% rule. For this client to get rid of this idea of sequence of returns risk, we were saying they were getting 4% in dividends and interest. Mm-hmm. So for this investor, they were just spending the income, right? On top of the income, because we made it up, we assumed that they would appreciate it 3% per year, right? Over 24 years, because of the rule 72, 72 divided by 3 is 24, that that money would double over 24 years. So this $5 million producing 4% in income, 3% in appreciation, person dies 24 years later and is leaving $10 million of wealth to their, their heirs. Do you think it's appropriate for the advisor in a situation like that to push and prod and say, hey, I think we should figure out different dreams and goals and aspirations and legacy wishes that you can do during your lifetime. I definitely think so. Um, first, can, can I poke a hole in our scenario? Yeah. 
So the 7% return, the, I thought it was a little ambitious, right? Because if you think about the overall allocation, we may not have, you know, 100% equity exposure or something similar. But I, I like the scenario anyways. But Well, here, let's change it because I'm, I'm okay with your point there. It can be 0% appreciation. Right, that right, person right. Yeah. still. If it's still five million dollars, they took all the money out that they needed along the way. What do you do with the leftovers? Yeah, and yeah. and like I mentioned in the article, that person still has some equity in wherever they live, and they have some belonging. So it's it's still more than five million dollars. That's, that's the point I was going to bring up. Is uh, one thing when we run a lot of these plans is we don't include the primary and secondary residents. And uh, if someone's ever worried, like, well, I don't want to spend all this, I want to leave something to the kids, you will leave something to the next generation. For two reasons. One, you're not going to be able to time it perfect and spend your last dollar of your portfolio on your last day, right? And then two, all that equity in that real estate is going to be passed down to the next generation. And sometimes, uh, you know, living in Southern California, the properties themselves can be millions of dollars. And so I, I think that people miss that point that they do need to worry about taking care of themselves first, and then they shouldn't worry about outliving their nest egg, especially if they have a, a large balance sheet. But to, to answer your question, yes, I, I think they should calculate taking a, a portion of principal out with the income along the way, or maybe every now and then they have a, a something they're passionate about that they do, like a big ticket item here and there. But I, I especially think it comes down to the clients and what their posture is. I've come across where clients say like, hey, we've saved this money. I'm not worried about our kids. They have great jobs. They're married. They're doing great. We want to take care of us. And and that's kind of like, okay, green light. We need to figure out a way to come up with goals that they can use this money for in their lifetime. And then I have other times where they go, oh, I, don't, I know I'm not going to spend this, so I already, I already want to start planning on how is this money going to help my kids. I'm like, okay. And it kind of frames the conversation, and, and you know right away which direction you're going to go. Yeah, and it seems like what people need to be – because. In the world of financial planning, everyone's so used to a bound financial plan that tells you what 30 years from now looks like. But for people that are saying like, hey, I would love to maximize the spending of my wealth during my lifetime for my own enjoyment, my advice to those people, you just got to be nimble, mm-hmm. right? Because there are going to be years where the market surprises you to the upside and like you're saying, those are years you could shave off some of those principal and do extra things. But it's it's the opposite side too, right? In years where the portfolio underwhelms, you kind of have to be on that side of nimble, being willing to tighten the belt a little bit, right? If you don't want to run something linear where I spend the same amount every year and, and it's it's uh, it's like clockwork, then you have to be willing to, to pivot both ways. You know what's funny about that is um... – Normally, when you have early conversations with clients and they ask about investment strategy and, uh, you know, uh, when to take distributions and all that good stuff, I'll bring that up. You know, I'll say, like, if markets are doing well, it's really easy to take profits and and, and go ahead, go on that trip or, or spend, make that donation. Um, but then on the flip side, if we're in, like, tough markets, maybe we don't take the extra income, we let it reinvest or, or we don't take that, sell anything. And, and we or maybe we add money from, you know, the cash reserves or the bonds. And people are always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the first sign of like tough markets, and I can like think of a few of those conversations right now, the last thing they're thinking about is adding money when they're like upset, right? And so it kind of makes me laugh that, yes, in theory, it makes a lot of sense to be nimble. And and I agree. In the situation I brought up earlier, I, I said the same thing. There may be a time where like, hey, time out. You're, you're going to have to cut back on some of this consumption or spending. And uh, the, luckily, the client definitely agreed and understood. But uh, I think that's an important point. Yeah, I think the people that have a tough time are there are folks out there 
maybe they're still in their peak earning years, right? Maybe they're in their 50s, whatever it might be, and they have really strong incomes, right? Like just think of your clients that you serve and you're like, oh man, that person is top five income earner of, of the clients I serve. And they don't have a balance sheet that really represents that income because it's hard, right? Like if somebody's making whatever number you want to plug in, a million dollars a year, right? Even a $2 million balance sheet is only two times their income. So those people have a tough time because they've become accustomed Mm -hmm. to that income. They've uh, created a lifestyle associated with that income. And the question of can I afford it, it's it's absolutely true as long as the cash flow remains. Where we're really targeting here is there are people out there, um, and it, it does come back to their expenses as we introduced the article, that when you look at their balance sheet relative to their expenses, on a projection standpoint, they're going to have a lot of trouble spending that money. And, and I know you challenged me, which was a good challenge on that idea of you know that fictitious return that I put in there. But I do think we're living in an era where um, everyone is prognosticating that returns are going to be so much worse than they have been historically, which I think that's fair. But how much worse, right? Um, you know, you take 100-year historical averages, are you going to take 80% of that? 70% of that? 60% of that? Because um, I think it, it, it is reasonable um, to still live within that realm, depending on how the portfolio is designed. Um, you know, grab the S&P 500 as an example, and, and you take 100 years of data. I'm guessing, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm guessing you're in the zip code of something like 9%, right? So then you allocate, I don't know, 30% or so to cash. You haven't diluted the return that much. So what I've seen is people don't realize how their portfolio is going to compound while they're also spending their portfolio. Does that make sense? Or- mm-hmm. Bulls and bears. Trevor is a bull. 9%. You heard it first. My tie. <laughs> bulls and bears. So, uh, No, I'm just saying like you can't get away from an article out there of saying like, hey, if you're retiring today, like, oh, man, I feel bad for you because it's the worst time in history ever to retire. You know what I mean? Like returns are going to be muted. They're going to be 0% for the rest of your life and all these things. So all I'm saying is that if you want to anchor your projections in some sort of historical context, just decide what percentage of those historical metrics are you going to use. And if you find yourself using 40% of what you've seen historically, I think you're probably being overly bearish in, in, in some of those projections. So neither here nor there, like I said, here at the Bonser Group, we have portfolios that focus on dividends and interest. We build financial plans where a lot of our clients are spending only those dividends and interest. So even small appreciation and compounding outside of those dividends and interest uh, means that that nest egg is going to be growing over time. So the question is, are there other goals? Are there other marbles you can put on the paper towel to challenge the financial plan? Just producing a ton of financial plans that say, hey, your Monte Carlo is a 95% success rate. I think there's more to being an advisor than that. Yeah, and you bring up a good point that it's uh, when we run those plans, they are assuming things stay the same for a long period of time. And that's one thing we know that is, is not true, is things will change, things will happen. And so uh, making sure that you're able to adjust and be nimble is really important. Yeah, and the thing I want to get back to is um, if your balance sheet is somewhat of a reflection of your blood, sweat, and tears, right? And let's say it's robust, and let's say you're in your 50s, and there's still you know a decent-sized inheritance that's going to be added on top of that balance sheet, and um, your kids are... 
doctors and lawyers and they have their own successes. I don't know. I just love the conversations like you and I are calling dreamstorming where we can say, what was something you never thought you could do? And for some people, those are like really, really little things. Um, And I just have this passion about people being able to like build and see their legacy during their lifetime. Like I talked about in the article, like, hey, what if you could do some of these things that you care about, whether it's charity or family or, or whatnot on this side of heaven? You know what I mean? Because financial planning is so obsessed about like leaving behind. Yeah, like yeah. what you leave behind, and uh, I don't know. It just seems like I- I'm a community oriented person, and uh, you know, I-, I can speak to you. Like, how passionate and how much do you love like little league baseball right now? And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and you love the idea that you are right there on the sidelines watching all the things. Now you're not playing the game, which. I know you set the rosters and you're the best coach ever, <laughs> but like you get joy out of like watching your son be successful at that, right? So it just makes me wonder, like you're on the sidelines right now, investors, like are there things that you haven't penciled into your financial plan that you could be investing in and watching lifetime rather than say, hey, when my tour of duty is done, you know, all those things will happen um, outside of me being here. So again, I- I'm not trying to make like, something bigger than it is, I guess my obsession comes from the fact that I've made so many darn financial plans. And so many of them, I'm like, this person's not going to run out of money. Yet our entire industry obsesses with don't live out your, don't outlive your nest egg, don't outlive your nest egg. And it creates this fear and anxiety that I'm like, there's another end of the spectrum. Now, obviously we don't want to take it too far, but there is another end of the spectrum. And we've talked about this in the past, but, um, you know, being able to invest or put your family in a better environment earlier in life makes a big difference because if you do live a long full life uh by the time that your family is inheriting that money they've probably already kind of made the lives that they have you know they're probably married they probably have their own children and their own goals their own things they're trying to accomplish they're probably in their 50s or 60s uh, that that money it's probably not going to make the largest impact in their life right well what if there were things you could do along the way uh, that you know, give you peace and joy and also uh, helps them uh, be more successful or, or whatever is it, it is that's important to them. Uh, I, I think that that's a much better way to look at it. Yeah. And a lot of that's in framing, right? So you and I, whatever word you want to call us, frugal, thrifty, wh- whatever, whatever it is. Smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like we've had personal conversations where like we've looked at things, uh, schooling, right? And and we look at it and like, oh, like this is an expense, like for your kids to go to private school or wh- whatever it might be. And like we kind of had to retool our thinking and say like, hey, time out. Like for you, maybe this is actually an investment, right? Like looking at the tra- trajectory of your career and your personal financial plan and all these things and saying, hey, in your 30s, does it make sense based on the community you and your wife want your kids to have and where they want to be? Does it make sense to invest in their education and reframe that from being like, oh, no, this is another expense on my income statement. You actually helped convince me of that because I remember sitting down and I'm looking at the compounding interest calculator. I'm like, look at how much if I save this money and invest it, you know, I could buy them all a house or whatever it is after 20 years. And then you say, okay, well, let's like play that all the way through till you know, you're, you're in your 70s or 80s. And how much more difference would it be in dollars and cents? And it was a big number. But what's going to make a bigger impact? that putting them in the right environment, surrounding them around the friends that we want now. And, uh, and hopefully them, you know, finding something they're passionate about and enjoying life. 
versus them inheriting a little bit more money in the future. And, and that, that was uh, helpful for me. Yeah, and I'm going to um, challenge the FIRE community a little bit. Uh, financially independent, retire early, right? Mm-hmm. Because that was a movement that was started in the last 15 years or so. Uh, and it's captivated a lot of attention of, you know, folks that are in the software field and, you know, husband and wife work their took us off and save all this money so that they can retire in their 40s, right? Okay, if if that's your passion and your goal and all those things, but let me tell you, almost every single person I've talked or heard talk about the fire movement on a podcast, they have a website, they have a blog, they have some sort of second career, second hustle that they've created because like David's new book on this topic, uh, David Bonson's new book on the topic of full time, like there is, you know, from an anthropological perspective, like some idea that humans were created to be creative, to endure, to work, to be ambitious, to do all these things. So that's where I'm saying, hey, you got to find that balance, right? If you're sprinting towards just retiring at 40 and then you do it and you're like, okay, I've had 10 pina coladas and <laughs> gone to you know the desert five or six times. What do I do now? There is something to be said of like, okay, keep your thriftiness, keep your frugality, but change your framing on how do you invest in your legacy during your lifetime? Yeah, you said it well. I have nothing to add. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing I'll, I'll kind of sum up here is really, and I talked about in the article, is that everyone has their own riddle. Like Sean and I can't give you like a broad brushstroke of here's what your goals should be because they are unique to you. A financial plan is tailored to you. So the thing that I wanted to encourage or like the advice or uh, is to go and have a discussion with your advisor and say, hey, can we go break the financial plan? Can we plug in these goals? And guess what? When you break the financial plan, it means that you are going to put something in there that is outside of the capacity of your wealth. So that can be an aspiration to build towards and do, but you can get a clear understanding of what is reasonable within, you know, the the guardrails of of your current wealth. I find myself multiple times a day getting asked questions and uh, they're normally like broad questions like what do people typically do or what do you think about this? And I hate getting this answer, but it it depends and it depends on the circumstance or what they mean by it. And I find myself saying it all the time where I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't have a better way to answer this question because it's not one size fits all. It's different for every person. Yeah, I, I think it's exactly right. And I think in those conversations, though, you can sometimes surprise people because I've had countless conversations where somebody is like, hey, like, I don't know, I've kind of always wanted a nicer house. Could I afford a $2 million house? Do the numbers? Yes. Could I afford a $3 million house? Yes. There's going to be some breaking point, right? right? Where you're like, well, no, 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 no. Like your capacity of your wealth, $6 million house isn't going isn't gonna to work. And it does take us back to that conversation. It also matters what you're acquiring, right? If something is an asset, you have to always manage two things in financial planning, your balance sheet and your income statement. So the nice thing is, and I know I'm repeating myself, but if you add an asset to your balance sheet, there still is that eject button where you could sell that asset and um, you know, if you're prudent about it, put yourself back in a similar financial uh, stance. All of that comes down to liquidity and all these different things, taxes, where it's, again, tailored towards you. So um, I think you get the idea, but hopefully this leads you to a dialogue, um, one, 
with you know the significant people in your life, your kids, your wife, your your husband, whoever it might be, um, to say, hey, what are our dreams, right? And some of that comes from like peeling back, you know, what were the things that we enjoyed when we were kids? Um, what are the passions that we have now? What are the things that we never thought we could do that we we probably could do? Like for me, you know, what comes to mind. In my lifetime, I'm sitting courtside sometime. I'm going to sit courtside at an NBA game, and that's going to be really expensive. But sometime on my, in my life, I'm going to do that. That's a bucket list item for me. Pick like a random Tuesday. The opponents aren't that good. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> at some time, I'm going to sit courtside. So, um, yeah, two conversations, right? You, you go to your loved ones and you talk about, hey, um, we've been blessed with these resources. How do we do these in a manner of stewardship that aligns with our preferences and aspirations and goals as a family. Uh, and then the second conversation with your advisor, uh, let's go break that financial plan and see what is the capacity of our wealth. So I already asked you at the beginning of the podcast to rate it. So I'll mention it again if you want to. Um, obviously, you can email Sean or Trevor. Uh, we have an easy email to remember. It's Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsagroup.com. Um, you can email us questions, comments, criticisms. I, I know sometimes I make mistakes. Uh, so you're welcome to email us any of those things. And we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on, on Money. money. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.